That's classified. It's what? It's classified. It had been deemed classified. And B, that footage is highly classified. Classified. It's classified. You can't tell anybody, but... People need to know. Welcome to CIO Classified, where you'll find candid conversations with the world's leading CIOs. In each episode, we have two different CIOs discuss a single topic. This week, we were joined by Madeline Sadler and Colleen Baraby. Madeline is the Chief Operating Officer of the International Rescue Committee. The IRC helps people whose lives have been shattered by conflict and disaster to survive, recover, and rebuild their lives in 40 crisis-affected countries, as well as communities throughout Europe and the Americas. There, Madeline wears many hats as COO, overseeing functions such as HR, IT, external relations, strategy, and gender diversity, equality, and inclusion. Colleen is the Senior Vice President of Operations and Chief Information Officer at Zendesk, a software as service provider and partner to the International Rescue Committee. At Zendesk, Colleen shapes their benchmark for modern IT at scale and a customer-centric workforce. In this episode, Madeline and Colleen draw insights pulled from their own partnership to discuss why it's vital for IT leaders to build relationships inside and outside their organizations, as well as share practical tips for getting started. But before we get into it, here's a brief word from today's sponsor. This podcast is brought to you by Asana. Asana is a leading work management platform that empowers teams to orchestrate their work, from daily tasks to big strategic initiatives, all in one place. By enabling the world's teams to work together effortlessly, Asana helps organizations of all sizes and industries achieve their goals faster. Learn more at asana.com. That's A-S-A-N-A dot com. And now, here's your host, Ian Faison. Welcome to CIO Classified. I'm Ian Faison, CEO of Caspian Studios, and today we are joined by two very special guests. First, Madeline, how are you? Very good. Thank you very much, Ian. And Colleen, how are you? (laughs) I'm doing great. Thanks, Ian. Wonderful. So today we're going to be talking about the evolution of internal and external collaborations. Let's get started. Madeline, tell us a little bit about your role as COO at the International Rescue Committee. My role is twofold. I am the operations leader. So I, like Colleen, I'm doing IT, supply safety and security. And then the other side of my role is external relations, which is interesting because it's the external communications, data, information flow, and how we connect. And on one side, we have the internal communication side, the way that we connect with technology. And the external side is the way we connect with our donors and with our clients. And it's something Zendesk has helped us get even better at and something we'll come to later in the conversation, I hope. Oh, fun. Yeah, I'm excited, yeah, I'm excited to talk about that. And, uh, and Colleen, tell us about, about your role as CIO and SVP of operations at Zendesk. Yeah, thanks, Ian. So my role really has three different pieces to it. Again, a pretty broad remit, similar to Madeline. First of all, I'm responsible for IT, which won't surprise you since I'm the CIO. I'm responsible for all the business systems that we use to run our company. In addition to that, I am responsible for our enterprise data and analytics. So data, 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 and more data, and what we do with it, and how we make it bring the most value and importance not only to our company, but to our customer and employee experience. And then thirdly, I have this operations role, which really is about, for us, 
bringing together cross-functional initiatives, making sure they're successful, developing and maturing our capabilities around making sure that they, they have the impact that we expected they would have and that we manage through change successfully as they go live and so forth. So really kind of three pieces that I'm managing at the moment. Is there a, an IT product or something that you're working on right now that's kind of like your biggest, your biggest thing? I'll talk about one which we've, we were never done with, but we've recently had a great big win with is that we actually kind of decided to reinvent ourselves in terms of how we use Zendesk. And for us, our ability to deliver a great customer experience is, is hugely important because that's what we sell to our customers. And so we did a re-implementation of our own technology and everything around it. And at the same time, kind of reinvented how we're delivering service to our customers. And that's been a fantastic win, but also a lot of learnings along the way that we're, we're able to share with our customers. It was hard, but a lot of fun. And now that we're kind of past the, the, the throes of that, our next big focus area is really around extending our use of data more broadly, both internally and, and to improve our customer experience. So moving from sort of some of the simpler ways that we've used data in the past to really taking broader advantage of it and bringing together data that we haven't brought together before to, to drive maybe it's the next best action with our customer or to provide more timely information to our customers and just make it easy for, easier for them to use our products and do business with us. Madeline, what about you? Any, any big project? I think everybody listening to this will feel my pain when I say we're in the middle of an ERP rollout, um, <laughs> so, which has been, oh gosh, it's so much fun. Um, but it's been absolutely fascinating because for organizations like ours, we don't invest in the basics. And so this has been so important to do, but so difficult to do because we're working across so many different time zones, the different maturities of offices across 40 different countries in 27 different languages. I mean, you, you name it, we've got a lot of complexity there, but there's the known and the unknown in our organization. So that's the known. And then the unknown will be the next thing that we have to pivot to as a project because we're trying to do something important and urgent for our clients, which again is something that we've worked with Zendesk on. Okay, let's get to our first segment here. So we're talking about, you know, the changing role, the, the CIO, and obviously, Madeline, you being a, a COO, but Colleen, you're, you're also the SVP of operations. I feel like that's not a normal thing for a CIO to be both. I'm curious, as an operator and as a, an IT pro, like, how rare is that? Do you have peers that are doing similar stuff? Like, Colleen, what, what do you think? I think it's a, it's a trend, for sure. You don't see it everywhere, but you are seeing with more frequency that CIOs are taking on a broader role. And uh, it's interesting because for me, you know, and I started my career working in the ERP space. So, and have done probably more ERP implementations that I'm willing to admit. Could you come but and help us please? Through, please. <laughs> <laughs> what you learn through those experiences is that part of the value that you can bring as a technology leader is really not about the technology at all. It's about how you have the visibility to what's happening in different parts of the business. And you can bring those things together and influence different thinking by, by looking more holistically at what could be happening at the in the company. And, and I think that CIOs, due to their experience and the work that they do, are uniquely positioned to bring those kind of conversations forward. You know, I have a really good friend 
who's a, who, who is also a CIO and, and she kind of says, you know, we have a way of doing things as IT people. We just kind of have a way of doing things. And that really resonated with me. Like we have a way of doing things and they tend to be pretty structured and operational and methodical. And when you want to think about how you improve your operations, it's a natural fit, I think. I completely agree with that, Colleen. Um, Interestingly, you're the first person I've met who's got the the exact title that we've given our CIO. So I'm COO and I have a fantastic CIO and VP of operations. And we did exactly the same amalgamation of responsibilities for the very same reasons. Number one, that we really do have a way of doing things or I'm sorry, you are the, you're the girls who code, not me. And, uh, <laughs> and it, it's been absolutely fascinating. It's been a real journey for me that I've been learning so much about over the last nine years as I've worked so closely in this space, how that, that way of thinking and breaking down a problem and working your way through it has helped our organization really mature in so many different ways, not just in the tech space. And then there's obviously the the natural fact that technology matters more than it ever has before, right? And you need to be able to bring that to bear today in, in every way in a company. I think that it's easy to get trapped in that CIO is responsible for technology, but they're really responsible for information. And information is everything that we as an organization do. So I think it's more a thought partnership and an enabling role than it used to be. Um, Whereas as soon as you think IT, so those guys who are going to tell you to switch on your computer and it'll all be okay. One of the other ways that data is so critical to what we do and our teams that are working to manage that data with new systems and, and new ways of thinking about that data is that the big shift that we're trying to make in the humanitarian sector is to stop thinking about the inputs and start thinking about the outcomes. So we're trying to use information and data to measure constantly what is it that people actually Mm. need, not what we think that they need. And that Mm. takes a lot of data integrity and an ability to ask the right questions and collect that data in meaningful ways. We've also committed to wherever we are doing projects that we need to be either evidence-based, which means that we need to reach into our data constantly, or evidence-generating. Again, that's just powering everything that we do and shifting what we think is a majorly important shift in our sector, which is stop building schools and measuring that as success and start thinking about how many children have learned to read. I love that. So Colleen, do you think that we're collectively trying to do our best work here and try to figure out all this stuff, but perhaps maybe in meeting rooms and and, and boardrooms, everyone's sort of collectively wondering like, who is working and how are they working? And is this whole hybrid work thing even working at all? I think for sure, in some cases, people are wondering that. And I even have heard from some of my counterparts at other companies that the question gets asked, can we measure whether people are actually working? And my my response to that always is, if, if we weren't measuring that when people were in the office, we probably shouldn't be measuring it now. But I do think that, you know, we're still figuring out the collective we, how do we make work most productive when we're not all together? And when we may be in geographically dispersed locations, probably a lot of us have worked in environments where maybe we were dealing with centralized offices in other geographies, but literally like my team is everywhere at the moment and that presents new challenges. You know, one of the things we've learned is that having ready access to information, making it easy for people to self-serve their problems, to connect with others, get quick answers to their question is is really valuable during this time. And and I don't think we've totally figured it out yet, but I, I do think we're seeing which things are servicing as more important 
in this new world. Yeah, I mean, very similar experience in our organization, though I would say that we're more worried, and I think you probably have this as well, Colleen, when we're sitting and talking about our staff about when they're not working, as in they should be stopping working, because that divide between work life and home life has just got so blurred now that um, I think we're struggling to make sure that people are getting that work-life balance that they need in order to be the best they can be when they are at work. So that's something that comes to us regularly. We've got a very robust duty of care support package for our staff so that they can really talk through and find out, find coping mechanisms for a completely new world, basically. And there's so many um, issues around that. So that's something that we've certainly been working on. We're an organization that is so used to remote working. We're a New York-based major charity that has most of its start, 22,000 staff are a long, long way away in Asia and Africa and the Middle East in the Ukraine where we're working. And so that that's always been an important part of how we work with each other. What we have really noticed is that that sense of organizational culture that comes from being in an office, connecting with people, the water cooler moments that everybody's talking about has really been problematic. And so finding other ways to get staff to connect when they're in this hybrid environment has been really very, very important for us. And we've we've found some really great stuff. And you find it's like let a thousand flowers bloom and let technology help it. So whether it be a virtual yearbook where as new joiners, you talked about that earlier, come in um, and have never met a single living, breathing human being that works for the International Rescue Committee before, they can upload their yearbook, which is um, their yearbook page, which says, this is who I am. This is what I like doing. This is where I come from. And this is what I'm going to be doing. And you can then look up individuals and get more of a sense of them. It's that sort of personal connection side that we've had to really, really work on. And now the third phase is that sense of hybrid, that people are coming into work and you're sitting in a meeting room and you're finally sitting with people and there's a screen and there are three people on that screen as well. And how do you make that feel like a meaningful experience for both the people on the screen and the people in the room? I see that as the the phase that we're in right now, but my goodness, there's been such amazing learnings from COVID and from being in this virtual world that we've brought into our organization. I think your comments really resonate with me. And and one thing I think has been interesting um, on this human connection piece is Early days, at least our experience was, people kind of expected management to create these things that, you know, it would be, we would come out with these great programs that would create connection. Somehow we were the only ones responsible for it. And I think one of our learnings has been that you can generate ideas and activities that generate connection from anywhere in the organization. And frankly, some of the things that we've done that have had the biggest impact have come from within the teams. Yeah. And for me, that's been super interesting because I, for, for a long time, just honestly felt an enormous amount of responsibility to figure out how to solve this. And when we started, to your point, letting the flowers bloom, it really made a big difference. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I there was, I remember at one point we had, um, one of my teams, they were all doing very different things. So we ended up starting to get that sort of knowledge sharing of what people were doing in different teams. Um, One of them was um, bring your pet to the desk. So, so many people met each other's dogs and cats. I mean, the entire organization, (laughs) it was hilarious. So, but these just tiny things that really worked, they really, really worked. Absolutely. I know people's kids. I didn't used to know people's kids. They're little kids that run into the room and you used to be like, 
chucking them out of their room. My best story, by the way, is that one of my children walked into the room when I was um, on quite a senior call and had found um, a pair of police handcuffs in his dressing up box and handcuffed me to my chair <laughs> and then said, and I don't know where the key is. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so I finished the call handcuffed. It was a, it was a great moment. Love it. Love it. That's hilarious. Well, sometimes we feel handcuffed to our uh, to our chair metaphorically throughout the day. So <laughs> kind of no change there. I- I'm curious, as a senior leader, building relationships with other internal departments, building relationships and rapport with other leaders in the company is actually you know very difficult now too. H- how do you both think about doing that and making sure that IT is integrated within what other folks are doing, that you're able to be proactive and anticipate what people need from IT and from ops. With my people hat on, as well as my operations hat, I would say the role of the manager has become so important. For sure. How you manage, how you connect with your teams and the people that are working with you is there's just a much bigger emphasis. And you would have thought that, that the emphasis would be when you're in person, but it's harder to do that, that sense of connection and checking in with people, just not checking on people, which is where I think, Ian, we started, uh, has become extremely important. So all of these things are things that we're thinking about in terms of how we connect. And then also just celebrating some of the wins. So real feedback from particularly new parents, how different it is to have a new baby coming into the world and being able to really effectively work from home for longer, particularly in, in, in the States where you have relatively short periods of time where you're actually able to take the time off work. There's much longer, a much longer period of time that tends to be a maternity or paternity leave in, in, in Europe people can can actually be around their babies. Women are being able to, I think it's going to, to be really meaningful in terms of how women progress through our organizations. So taking some of the wins and really listening to where the wins are rather than um, seeing them as a, a diminishment of our ability to be together and be connected. So it's, it's been exciting, to be honest. What about outside partnerships? You know, IRC and Zendesk, work together as partners. Uh, I'm curious how you both think about building partnerships and working with partners in kind of this this new normal now too. We always joke as like, you know, a vendor is like when you want to keep your arm's length and a partner is someone that you want to keep closer. Yeah, curious how, uh, how you think about partnerships. We, we talk about partnerships in so many different ways in the organization because you can't do anything. You can't move a step without having great partners wherever we work. The need to have great partnerships with people who are helping us push our thinking has been more critical than ever. When masses of people started crossing the southern border and we had to set up a welcome center in Phoenix, we were really struggling with the number of people coming in. We have caseworkers that are helping people get their basic needs met, being able to put them in touch with lawyers, getting roofs over their heads. And it's quite complex casework that was taking place. And then we partnered with Zendesk to really start saying, okay, how are we, A, going to manage these caseworkers' heavy load? But then how do these people get informed as they cross borders? And that meant that we ended up in an edgier piece of work with Zendesk and other partners to create something really extraordinary called Signpost, which enables people who are fleeing crisis, conflict, disaster, wherever that may be. And the first thing you need when you are fleeing from a place that you do know and you know how everything goes down to where you don't know is you need information. 
and you need information where you normally go to get it. And so that was the partnership that we established with Zendesk, which was really going from that initial, hey, something really serious is happening in this one location and building that partnership out because we were really listening very carefully to what they could do with us. But they were pushing us to think bigger and and in a more edgy way. So I think there's something really about partnership, particularly in this arena for us, meaning that we transform and innovate in a way that I don't think we would if we didn't know what was out there and what what the world was capable of achieving with us. And so partnerships for us is really pushing us to the next level. What I what I like about your story, Madeline, other than the obvious, which is it is Zendesk, but I speak quite often to software sales teams about selling to leaders such as yourself and me. And one of the things that I tell them is that they really need to understand what my problems are, what my aspirations are, and get in the seat with me. Like stop worrying about if I'm going to buy more software and start helping me solve my problems. And to me, when this happens, that's when the the real magic happens. When you come up with answers like this, like you're getting pushed into places you hadn't thought of before. You're solving problems in new ways. And by the way, whoever is the the salesperson probably benefits, if not in the short term, definitely in the long term by building that credibility and relationship with you and knowing, you knowing that you have somebody that will be by your side as you're working through your growing your business or, or in your case, helping people in, in their crisis. Okay. It, it comes back, I think, uh, absolutely. And I think it comes back to one of the, the first questions you asked in about what's the evolution of the CIO and how we work. And I think it's about thought partnership. Our clients as CIOs and COOs are really the programs, for me, the programs for you, presumably, that selling selling your product. And, and your ultimate clients are the people who are going to buy that product. For us, our ultimate clients are the people that we are going to be serving across the world. And you have to start with what they need. And that, that just presents a lot of problems. So we need partners to be on that journey with us to say, okay, let's start with these individuals and think really, what do they need in that moment? And those moments are moments that we don't necessarily recognize or understand. And I think the thing that we've really valued from some of our best partnerships is people who are prepared to start at that point and then work back from that and solve that problem. There is a tendency, I think, in partnerships, particularly between large charities or charities and particularly the tech sector, that the tech sector goes, oh, we've got this great product. It could completely solve your problems. Here it is. And you could give it to us for nothing. And it would be absolutely meaningless to us unless we'd really sat and worked out whether that is what we needed. And so that sort of design being, as you say, in the chair together is is where the magic really happens. And it unlocks it goes exactly as I said earlier, from inputs to real outcomes for the people that, that we're working with. So it, it, it's transformative. All right. So it is CIO classified after all. So what is your one secret that you know that other executives or leaders should know? Madeline, let's start with you. So I really thought about this. One is always start with your client. If you start with your client, you'll make the right difference. But when it comes to the other part of our conversation, which is how do you connect? How do you engage? How do you form teams that are going to be their very best um, selves in their teams? I think it's however hard the circumstances, however big the problem, you can have fun doing it. And I think that that is lacking sometimes in in our interactions with each other as in the workplace. And, and perhaps even more so as you get into this slightly virtual world, which is 
do hard things, but really try to get joy from doing them. And that's certainly what I hope gets my teams out of bed in the morning and certainly gets me out of bed in the morning. Okay, here's my secret. <laughs> I like to remind people that when you're you're going and you're building relationships and you're you're forming a team and you're getting to know people, that actually the most important thing you can do when you're working on building those relationships is to be curious. People love to talk about themselves. So ask questions, be curious, learn as much you can about the person and what they do and what they need, and it will help position you to make them more successful. Love it. What questions do you have for each other on this fine CIO classified day? I have a question for you, Colleen, which is, uh, it's really the best partnerships that we have um, as an organization are with those people who you can really feel a motivation behind it. And I just wondered with you and with, with Zendesk in particular, what the motivation is to work with an organization like ours. I mean, we're such very different beasts. Uh, and the motivation is, is the thing that is the spark. It's the catalyst for something really incredible like this happening. I just wondered how do you define that motivation? And, and also when we're looking for new partners, that really helps us to make sure that that catalyst uh, happens. So give me some guidance on that. Yeah, sure. Well, I, I think fundamentally part of the reason that we're, we work well together as partners is that our values as a company are very aligned with the values of the IRC. Uh, Zendesk was founded by immigrants, and we have a very strong belief that in the rights of people to, to move around the world and for them to have safety and to have information. And so it's important to us that we're supporting organizations that, that value the same. Amazing. My question for you is, as you work with uh, different partners, maybe in particular tech companies, what do you wish they understood better about the nonprofit sector and working with an organization such as yours? Such a great question. It goes back to what I said earlier, which is really digging in with us on what it is we're trying to achieve and never assuming that we know, you know, the answer in a top-down way because a lot of our work has got to be bottom up. And so I think one of the problems has been in the past that even we as, a, as an organization can, can go to a partner and say, okay, this is the great package. Do you want to support us? We've got a, we've got a great mission match here and you've got to go deeper. It's very, very important to go deeper. And I think that the, the understanding, the, the complexity of working in the kind of fragile context that we are working in and the needs of the people that we are serving and working with, it also just really inspires a desire to, to solve problems. Yep. And so I think that's been, I think, I think that's probably the, the, the most important element of partnership that really works and transforms is getting to that level of edginess and innovation that starts with exactly what's happening in the moment to the people that it's happening to. Makes sense. All right. We've run out of time for today's episode. Is there anything else that you'd like to plug or share before we wrap up? Colleen, how about you? No, I really enjoyed the conversation. So nice to meet you, Madeline. Uh, hopefully we'll get to meet in person someday. Um, and thank you, Ian, for uh, having us on the show. It was a lot of fun. 
just huge gratitude to, to, to you for bringing such a different set of people onto your show and um, for us to be able to have this conversation. It was extremely meaningful. And for all those people that hopefully are listening and understanding that really unusual partnerships like this can really make a difference in the world. Thank you both so much for joining us. We really appreciate your time and take care. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to CIO Classified. This episode was brought to you by Asana. From everyday tasks to big picture goals, Asana securely organizes work, so teams know what to do, why it matters, and how to get it done. Plus, with more than 100 integrations, Asana brings together everything your team needs to communicate, collaborate, and coordinate work in one place. Visit asana.com to try for free. That's A-S-A-N-A dot